With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to the Hawkeye Nation podcast here at HawkeyeNation.com. My name is Andrew Downs. I'm joined by Rob Howe. Rob, what's up, man? Not much. Just still recovering from the trip back from San Diego, but coffee in me this morning and uh, feeling good. Yeah, whirlwind few days. Trip out to San Diego for the, the Holiday Bowl, then back to Carver yesterday afternoon for a, a basketball game where we have two teams, Rob, that are 10-3 and three in, the, in the Hawkeye football team and the Hawkeye basketball team. And I'm excited to, to get launched on this podcast and, and be talking to you just about every week about, about Hawkeye sports. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I look forward to it as well, Andrew. And this is going to replace, and we've written about this on the site, but some sometimes people don't read these days. They just <laughs> right. listen and, and don't do that very well at times either. And I'm I, I'm guilty of that myself. But this will replace uh, John Miller and Steve Dace. Um, many of you guys know and, and listen to the podcasts on our feed. Uh, know that John is stepping away and, and Dace as well. So Andrew and I will try to fill those large shoes. Well, let's uh, let's get it going right away with a, a fun football game Friday night, a forty nine to twenty four beatdown of USC in the Holiday Bowl. Rob, you were there, and, and you have a ton of great content at HawkeyeNation.com right now. Uh, Post game interviews, press conferences, uh, columns, all of that kind of stuff. Before we dive too far into the game, I guess just some some big takeaways you have from from the Holiday Bowl and the experience out there. Yeah. Um... I guess to start with the Holiday Bowl itself, I, um, I and believe me, I'm fortunate that I get to cover these games and get to be there. Um, but I understand why the Big Ten is moving away from this bowl game. <laughs> um, it's it's the stadium's a mess. Uh, mm. The field is not very good. The stadium itself is run down and almost. You know, I was walking out of the photo room and through a tunnel down onto the field, and there was just water dripping down from pipes <laughs> above. I mean, it, it was as bad as you can imagine, and it was bad. Um, and the field surface wasn't very good either. It was really soggy. They had some rain the other day, and it didn't drain very well. So uh, from what I've heard out there, San Diego State uh, University is trying to buy that land so they can demolish that stadium where the Chargers used to play um, and where San Diego State plays now. Um, and we'll uh, build a smaller uh, venue, like 35, 40 grand, uh, that will fit Mountain West style or size crowds. Um, so it'd be nice if they were able to do that. But uh, for those that don't know, the Holiday Bowl goes out of the Big Ten rotation and Vegas and the Belk Bowl will be coming in. So uh, a couple of NFL venues there, which will be nicer for fans. Uh, but it didn't seem like the Hawkeye fans minded a whole mu- a whole lot about what the stadium looked like. Uh, they outnumbered the USC fans, were very loud throughout the game. A lot of, you know, let's go Hawks chants and got really loud when, the, when Iowa was, you know, it was an exciting game, a lot of points. Um, Big plays for Iowa, and the fans were were right in it. Uh, for me, I guess the big takeaways, Andrew, would have been 
I just liked how Iowa, the the concepts that Iowa used on offense, I think, you know, throughout the year, we were hoping to see some variations, some misdirections, some things that the defense uh, wasn't expecting. And Iowa was able to do that with, you know, some, you know, a, a, a reverse um, end arounds, um jet sweep actions uh just some different things that you could tell usc wasn't ready for so it was nice to see that with some time to prepare it looked a little bit like the minnesota game offensively and then defensively i thought iowa gave up some yards in the passing game but pretty much able to shut down the run and really uh once epinesa got loose uh I think we all saw the last two games with the NFL scouts seeing A.J. Epinesa after that monster game in Lincoln, and then he was just a menace the other night and really kind of led that defense. And, and you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but when when he knocked Keaton Slovis out of the game, uh, USC's freshman quarterback, that, that really ended the game for all intents and purposes. That, that offense under Matt Fink just wasn't able to do anything. You could tell they were out of rhythm, and, and Slovis had that, led that offense to some really high-powered numbers throughout the season, and as you said, in the first half, they they looked good. Um, those first couple of possessions, they were able to move the ball really easily. The start of that third quarter, man, it got a little got a little hairy there for <laughs> Iowa. You got a little worrisome. Um, but I think even the fact that USC had to go to that that surprise onside kick early on showed you that they they could tell they. They maybe weren't quite as prepared as they thought they were for this Hawkeye team. You talk about the way this offense attacked those edges in that first half and and the speed that it looked like Iowa had compared to USC's defense. It was really kind of a remarkable thing to see. I put something on Twitter, you know, if you – because you you started to see this, uh, and and I I can't stand when this happens, but fans saying – Oh, where was this all season? It's it's just such a a reductive way to look at something like this. You know, a team that has now had three weeks to prepare for a USC team is now fully healthy. Uh, you know, at the end of a season, you would hope they put everything all together. And this was an Iowa team that did put everything together late in the season. They were five and two midway through October. Ended up five and one in those final six games for a ten and three uh, finish. Uh, just a, a fun night. Even when USC was able to score, and and it helps, it was kind of the same thing in the Nebraska game where uh, Amir Smith-Marset with that kick return at just the, just the right time really kind of put the game, uh, you know, not out of reach, but made you feel pretty good about a team that had just tied you up. Um, it, it was just a really, really fun night to see this team kind of finally put it all together. Nate Stanley have a good night. The offense played, uh, I mean, to put up 49 points, the most points you scored all season, uh, to have that be in the bowl game against USC, that's fantastic. The defense doesn't give up more than 24 points all season. Just a, a fun game to end a fun season. Yeah, and, and you know... It, it is a name brand. We, we There was a lot of talk about Iowa and Iowa State playing name brands in these bowl games. and uh, But I, we that's not the USC that, you know, we remember from Pete Carroll and, no. uh, you know, those days from the from the 2003 Orange Bowl, not the same program at all. And I, I think they knew they were up against it when they, they saw the film of Iowa. And what stood out to me, Andrew, was when, you know, in the post-game press conference, when Amir Smith-Marset and Nate Stanley were saying that they they saw that they could attack USC on the edge. What in the wild world of sports is going on when USC doesn't have athletes to be able to contain the edge on defense? That's a... 
that is a really condemning, you know, commentary on on the state of that program. And that's not to take anything away from Iowa because Iowa clearly was the better team and and played a really good game. Uh, but on the other side of it, USC has got some issues and ones that it will. I think they, I think it was less than 24 hours they fired the defensive coordinator and the special teams coach. That's right. So, you know, there's collateral damage and there are uh, casualties from that because. Uh, you know, that's probably a lot of times when you start seeing co- coordinators and coaches being fired by the head coach, that's the that's the, the last step before the head coach ups ends up getting blown out of there. And, uh, you know, from I got I didn't get to talk to a lot of USC fans out there while we were out in San Diego. But the ones I did, it was pretty much unanimous. It's time for a head coaching change. So that they're a mess. And, I, and their recruiting class this last year was ranked in the 70s, which is another issue where you're thinking wow usc with a recruiting class in the 70s it's uh it's they've got a lot of work to do there and i know clay helton talking to us in the post game was said they think they're close and they're you know i don't see it at all there are a lot of holes on that roster yeah, it's it's it was an interesting dichotomy. This story of two coaches, where Clay Helton is, you know, he's he's been given the seal of approval from from administration. Uh, it looks like he'll be there again next season, but the fan base is is not happy about that. Uh, does not want him back. It seems like. And then on the other hand, you know, Kirk Ferentz really kind of cementing his legacy. And I think in a week and and, and really in a month, where a lot of us fans have reflected on the last 40 years of this program with the passing of Hayden Fry and the passing of Bump Elliott and and maybe uh, gain some appreciation for the era that we are in right now and and everything that that Kirk Ferentz is and and the the things that he is not you know, in in contrast to Hayden Fry um I thought Keith Murphy did a good job on on Channel 13 last night, kind of talking about how Ferentz. It feels like he's kind of stepped into this this legendary status, which is rare for somebody to do while their career is still going on. But a ninth straight or a ninth bowl win total, third straight, uh, a six ten win season. I don't know how high Iowa will end up being ranked in the the poll, but just outside the top ten, certainly in the top fifteen. Uh, that's something to be said. He's he's had five top ten finishes, and then again, I think uh, for for guys like me, Rob, I'm I'm 37 years old. Hayden Fry to me was never a person. He was an icon. He's he's yeah. a, he's a statue, right? And I remember him as the coach, but it was never he was never my coach. I was a little kid. Kirk Ferentz is my coach, and now we're in through 21 years. And, and he's put himself right on that pedestal right next to Hayden Fry. Uh, he'll have a statue someday. They'll name a street around that area uh, uh, after him. Um, I, I, it was just a, a cool moment for, I think, all Iowa fans to kind of reflect on uh, not just what Hayden Fry meant to this program, and obviously Hayden Fry then leads to Kirk Ferentz, but what Coach Ferentz has meant to this program and, and what he has put together in these last 20 years, and really these last five years with, with 47 wins, the most in any five-year span, um, at no bad seasons, kind of a resurgence. They've changed some things. You know, New Kirk has come out and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, the integrity that he, that he leads this program with, the emotion that he has in, in these post games and when he's talking about, you know, the reverence he has for the program, uh, it's it, it really just kind of feels like in, in these last few weeks, and especially with that game Friday night, Kirk has kind of elevated himself into a, a different stratosphere as Iowa's coach. Yeah, I would agree. And um, I, I think it's, you know, the landscape, the sports landscape now and, and how fans 
have voice more voice i guess louder voices social media way things like that um you know there's always going to be a faction of people that have you know the the ferrance hangover i've heard it called where people are like you know they they want they think that him leaving will bring a national championship or something like that that you know, it, it's going to, you know, change. The, they're, they're better off without him. And I, I don't I've never really understood that. Um, and I wrote I, I write a, f- a Friday column where I, I touch on five different ideas of things that are happening or or topics in, in Iowa sports. And this past week, I just you know, I, I talked about, you know, I think you need to there's always that comparison between Hayden and Kirk. And I get that. I mean, the, the you know, there are the parallels there. You know, Kirk was Hayden got really got Kirk's career started when he was a GA coming from Pittsburgh. Um, but I think you have to separate them, too, because there's there are two different errors there. You know, the Big Ten is different now than it was when Hayden was here. The 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 you know, the the job is just different now. Um, and I think you need to separate those things. And I think both of those guys, Hayden was great for, as you said, Andrew, the things that he was and the things that he did for this program. But I think you can, you don't have to say, well, Ferentz isn't that good or Ferentz isn't as good as Fry or he didn't do this for the program. He didn't take over after 17 non-winning seasons. Kirk, for 21 years, as you said, has done this thing with class and integrity and won a whole lot of football games and given people a whole lot of of great memories to, to look back on as they grew up during their, their childhood from to, to the times where they've grown up with this program, uh, nothing to really be embarrassed about. And that's, that says something is in this day and age that this program is in, has such a solid foundation. And that's because of what Hayden started and Kirk is built upon that foundation. And, uh, I think Iowa should feel pretty lucky with what it's had and what it has right now. And, uh, it's a healthy program there. There, I think Kirk has did a, done a good job of transitioning. You know, he had, he, he hasn't had a lot of assistant turnover and he especially didn't have a lot of that for his first, you know, 10 to 15 years, but he's brought in, you know, you think of Kelvin Bell, you think of Seth Wallace, you think of LeVar Woods and Brian Ferentz. He's got younger guys now that are, are up and coming coaches along with his veteran coaches. He's just done a real good job of keeping this program together. And that's not easy. It's not. And and what he has done is, I, I think, again, as we move through this and and towards the end of his career, I think the reverence for him and, and what he has done here uh, will just grow and grow with this fan base. And, and it, ha- it hasn't been perfect. I wish that Iowa had played in, in the Big Ten Championship game this year also. I wish that, that they had been able to pull out some of these close losses in the last two seasons. Uh, nobody's saying it's been perfect, but if you can't appreciate what Iowa has and, and has done in these last couple of years, and especially this season, uh, you're probably going to be miserable a lot of your time <laughs> as a Hawkeye fan. Uh, another thing that Kirk has done is put a lot of guys into the NFL, Rob, and uh, and has a chance to do that again this season, maybe even a couple of first-rounders. Uh, did you get any sense there on the field or in the locker room after the game at the Holiday Bowl of what guys like Epinesa, Tristan Wirfs, and Geno Stone, who was a, a bit of a surprise, I think, um, but now it, it kind of seems like he's leaning towards going. Uh, did you get any sense for that while you were there? 
yeah, we asked all of those guys uh, about that, and they're still they wanted to focus on the game, which I get, and they wanted to celebrate with their teammates. Um, and it's basically just you know what we've heard through the grapevine, and and you know it, I would be. Nothing shocks me in sports anymore, but I would be pretty surprised if we see Epinesa and Worfs back next year. They're, they're first-round picks, and that's life-changing money, and you can't blame these these guys for moving on and, and you know realizing their dreams. And I, I think those two are gone. Uh, I, I would put mo- good money on it, put it that way. And I get the sense, Andrew, that Gino is leaning that way. Um his case is just really interesting, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this as well. He's an undersized guy that doesn't have, you know, exceptional speed. He's probably a four-six to four-seven guy, safety type in the NFL, uh, undersized. You know, whatever he is, six foot, two hundred and ten pounds, maybe. Um, but you look at it from his perspective. What can he gain by coming back? Is it going to push him up the draft board that much? He can't get bigger. He he can get a little bit bigger, I guess, but his body type is what it is. His speed is what it is. He could come back a la Desmond King, but I, I just, from what, you know, you put those extra miles on your body in college without making any money. I, I think he's thinking to himself, and this is somewhat speculation on my part, but this is from talking to him. This is kind of what I've I've gathered. He's thinking to himself, why not take my chance now? Why not take the shot now instead of coming back and potentially getting hurt or putting more miles on my body? Let me take my shot now. And, and I get that. I do too, and I think I think you're probably exactly right. I don't see him coming back next year and increasing his draft stock exponentially. I don't see him coming back and you know being you know in national awards or anything like that. And so if he thinks, hey, I'm kind of I'm ready for this move, and I do, yeah, don't want to put those extra miles on, don't want to give that extra chance of, of being hurt, and you know maybe feels like he's accomplished what he came here to accomplish. Um, it'd be hard to fault a guy for for going, and you're seeing this more and more often. You know, five years. Ago, it was only the guys who were for short, you know, first round picks that were going. Uh, we saw it last year with Iowa when, when four guys left early. It's not just going to be these top. Uh, picks these first round guys that are going to go. It's going to be guys like Geno Stone, who may be a mid round pick, but uh, is certainly has has the opportunity to be an NFL player, and he's ready. So so why not? I I am with you again. Total speculation, but just from what I'm reading and seeing, uh, it, it does it does feel like I was going to lose all three of those guys. Uh, and and again, you can't fault any of them for for going to start their career. Hopefully, in the NFL, nothing says home more than family and friends around the table, especially when the food is from Fairway. High quality, hand cut meats, fresh produce, and affordable pricing. Be sure you're ready for family by stocking up on everything from the best possible source. Refreshingly Fairway. With that said, though, Rob, looking ahead to next season, uh, another pretty tough schedule. You got that short week now against Minnesota after the Iowa State game, a couple of back-to-back road trips to Columbus and uh, and Penn State. Um, not going to be an easy schedule by any means, but coming into this season, we all looked at that schedule and said, you know, and it, it was a tough schedule, maybe not quite as tough as we all thought it was going to be coming into the year. I was able to put up 10 wins against this schedule. You got to change out the quarterback. That's a, a big, big, big question mark for this team. But man, you saw some freshmen really 
show out these last uh, handful of weeks, really all season for for a couple of the guys. You see all these skill players you have coming back, the entire wide receiving core. You've got Alaric Jackson coming back to anchor that offensive line. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the expectations are for this team going into 2020. Yeah, and it's always hard to, to uh, pinpoint what that's going to be from the outside. Um, I think we the the expectations from the inside the locker room are the same every year, and we know that. That's winning a championship, and they want to do that again next year. That was the goal this year. It didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, that, that quarterback – you know, for the first time in a, in quite a while, I think we knew when, when Bethard left that Stanzi was going to be the guy. Uh, this one's a little bit more interesting in that, you know, you have Peyton Manziel, who, who's still here, who was the backup last year. Then Petras beat him out this year. Then you've got Padilla, who came in last January. So he'll have had two springs. And Kirk really was really praised him after last spring how I guess advanced he was for a kid just coming out of high school and then you've got you know the fan favorite I think if you had to put that tag on somebody the incoming freshman Deuce Hogan is the fan favorite no doubt And, and the thing that's interesting with him Andrew is he's not enrolling next month he's waiting till june so that's going to make it a lot harder for him to supplant one of these guys but i would be surprised if it's not petrus at least at the beginning of the season but there are it this this group is a lot closer than when stanley was stepping in for cj bethard so that's going to dominate a lot of the offseason headlines who is going to be the starting quarterback and then if it is Petrus and he doesn't come out on fire, then we go into the quarterback contra- controversy during the season that we all know and love. That you know, <laughs> should he be the guy? Let's hope whoever the guy is gets off to a good start um, and, and and calms some of those that unrest. But we'll have to see how it goes. But like you said, I, the. Getting Alaric Jackson back, I, I he would have been a draft pick, no doubt in my mind. He would have been a draft pick, probably in the you know third round area, fourth round area this year. Uh, you start three years at left tackle at Iowa, you get eyes on you. He's going to be a four year starter at left tackle wow. at Iowa coming back this year. That was huge. That that's their best recruit right there. Him coming back, and you have Linderbaum in the middle. For me, Andrew, it's going to be those other three spots. Because let's assume Worfs is gone. You've got right tackle, and you've got those two guard spots that were inconsistent this year. I think Schott's got a chance. I think Kallenberger's got a chance. You've got Cody Ince, uh, Justin Britt they liked a lot this year. Kallenberger may kick out to right tackle. Settling those three spots, because let's face it, in the games they lost this year, the offensive line was a problem. Yep. Um, that has to get shored up for next season. For me, that's the biggest offseason and getting the running game going with running backs. You know, getting the running back game going again, getting consistency in that running game, whether that is changing out of some of those zone blocking schemes, which I would recommend when I watched Illinois, uh, Nebraska, and USC be able to pretty consistently stop that stretch straight stretch run you've got to come up with some other i'm not saying completely abandon the zone blocking scheme but maybe integrate some hat on hat some rpo some misdirection some things that keeps the defense honest and when they were doing that this year against minnesota and usc and even to an extent against nebraska 
it was successful. So I think there are some tweaks, not wholesale changes, not fundamental philosophy, but there are some tweaks they can make on offense that will make it more consistent next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that running back room looks like going into next year also. You know, Tyler Goodson cemented himself as as the starter late in the season and obviously a true freshman there. You know, does the Sergeant Torn Young, um, I, did, did, IKM, did, did these guys, any of them transfer? It, it'll be really interesting to see and I think you're right the offensive line is the big question mark and then quarterback and man it was a glorious five years without much quarterback controversy wasn't it Rob <laughs> we really haven't had uh, you know really since since Rudock was the starter and Bethard was his backup that feels kind of like the last time there was that sort of energy in this fan base and I, I agree with you hopefully whoever the starter is next season gets off to a good start and we can put some of that to bed and, you know, it's interesting, Andrew, because this five-year run has really been went with – and I know people got into Stanley, and, and that's just – he did, he was not a perfect quarterback, but the dude won a lot of football games, a lot of big football games, and had a really nice career. But if you look, that 14 season, that's when we the, – the, the Rudock-Bethard controversy, that's when we had Kirk saying that's football. Yep. That's when we had, you know, the the Nebraska AD saying we've got to measure ourselves. We got to. What was the quote? <laughs> we got to. Uh, we got to judge where Iowa is as a program. That's right. When they, when, yeah, all that the all that stuff that went down in that 14 season. When you talked about Kirk being able to kind of settle things down again, and really with Bethard and Stanley, they've been able to do that the last five years. Now there's a transition again, and it'll be interesting to see how they you know, move forward next year with a new quarterback and how stable this program is. And in that, to, to touch on the running back room, that's going to be interesting because you've also got uh, Gavin Williams coming in and he is enrolling next month uh, from West Des Moines Dowling. He will be here in January uh, going through spring ball. And then um, – the kid from Chicago escapes me. Is it LaShawn Williams? Yes. The, both of the running backs are Williams, which will be great for Gary <laughs> Dolphin. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they're bringing in two really good running backs. And then you've also got Shadrick Bird, who was here last, you know, who enrolled last January and really turned the heads of the coaches before Goodson got here and, and beat him out. Um, I'm interested, like you are, to see what happens with Torin Young and Ivory Kelly Martin and Makai um, Sargent. Do they do do all three stay? Do two out of three stay? What happens there? And then, you know, how that develops in the offseason is going to be interesting because, as we've talked about, they've got to get that running game going. They've got to be more consistent in running the football. Well, we will continue to talk about the football season even during the offseason here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. But, Rob, right now I want to kind of switch gears. And now it's our family-friendly flooring sale. Save up to $1,000 and take advantage of our 24-month special financing on our stain-resistant carpet and stylish luxury vinyl at Flooring America. Sale ends soon, so come in today. Because uh, it is basketball season. We're full on now. Uh, not only is the is the football season over, but the non-conference portion of Iowa's basketball schedule is over. The The Hawkeyes beat Kennesaw State Sunday afternoon, 93-51, to in a game that uh, you hoped that Iowa would be able to kind of name the score. They were able to. You also hoped they would clean up some of the issues they had against Cincinnati in Chicago. And, and for the most part, I think they did a pretty good job of that. Um, 
Obviously still got the win in Cincinnati, but that first game without Jordan Bohannon uh, was a little sloppier than a lot of Iowa fans wanted. But regardless, Rob, we're sitting here talking about a 10-3 and basketball team. Uh, the AP poll just came out. Iowa is ranked 23rd now, up two spots from their 25th ranking a week ago. Uh, had, had I told you at the start of the season that we'd be going into Big Ten play with a, a, a double-digit win total and a ranked team, uh, I think you probably would have called me crazy. I would have called myself crazy crazy <laughs> yeah i agree i it's been this team has been a pleasant surprise there's no way around that and, and you don't want to be, go around that and I, it, I i've talked about this before and i've written about this and, I, and I, i'm wondering how how you view this as a fan andrew this team has something that it, it, you know it, it, it's an intangible thing it's it's a toughness it's a it's a togetherness, mm-hmm. chemistry. I, I don't know what the you know that elusive word is that you're looking for that it's hard that it doesn't show up in the box score. But this team just seems to have it. They just they have a knack for you know close games, guys making big plays, um, working together. It doesn't seem like a, a team that's out there with guys looking to get theirs. They're really they do a great job of sharing the basketball and Luca Garza, man. <laughs> Gosh, um, you know this will be my what twenty third season covering Iowa basketball. He's I from season to season. I don't remember seeing a guy, and he's always been good. But to to go from where he was last year, and you know, I think some of that can be attributed to having a nine pound uh, cyst <laughs> removed from his abdomen. I almost forgot about that. The yeah, but. He just looks in great shape, and you know you never want to say somebody is unstoppable because there's always ways to stop somebody. But this dude's dealing with double and triple teams and still finding a way. He's just been amazing, and when you have a dominant player like that, it opens up things for everybody else. And I think it's one of the areas that um, maybe has been. Uh, overlooked with Luca is he's a better defensive player than he was last year. He got himself in foul trouble too often last year, which got you know which took him off the court. Franz got the two fouls in the first half. Rule. He's done a really good job of playing solid defense without fouling, and he had the game uh, against San Diego State where they really killed Iowa with pick and roll. They've done, they've made adjustments with that and they're defending the pick and roll much better since that game. Um, yeah, I've got very, very few complaints with, with Iowa basketball, Andrew. I think the only thing that you have to be concerned with now, and it's ironic because there are people for years have been complaining about Fran playing too, <laughs> a too deep rotation. We don't have that concern anymore. Now the concern is, please, nobody get hurt. Put him in a bubble walking around campus. You know, make sure nobody nobody gets hurt. And he's got to manage minutes and manage practice time now where he's not over overworking these guys. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does that in the Big Ten. It's going to be interesting to see how Big Ten teams adjust to to try to uh, focus on Luka Garza and, and stop him. And if they're able to do that with any success, then what Iowa's guards and, and kind of small lineup is going to be able to do with that. I think you touched on it early on there, Rob, what, the, the intangible thing. And you're right, I haven't really been able to put my finger on on what we're calling that yet. A toughness, I guess, is about the closest thing I've been able to find. But 
it's it's a a thing about this team that just hasn't been there for a lot of these these teams under Fran McCaffrey. You feel you have felt like teams are going to collapse, and at times when this team has been given that opportunity, they have gone the other direction. It happened a couple of times against Iowa State. Now that game was never really close, but early in the second half, I think they cut it to seven points or something. Mm-hmm. And Iowa responds right away with a couple of threes in Cincinnati. Iowa had a fifteen point lead evaporate completely to where Cincinnati took a lead with about five minutes left in that game and then back-to-back threes by Wieskamp and Evelyn uh, Evelyn just really really put that game away again for Iowa they're, they're answering the call these guys have a uh, a basketball IQ and kind of a calmness about them and I think one of the things we we heard Jordan Bohannon say if it was not right after the Iowa State game it may have been when he he announced his decision to, to sit out the rest of the year but his goal this season was basically to, to get this team off to a good start and kind of get them settled into into a, a rhythm and he did exactly that now we saw again in that Cincinnati game some issues without him and I think we'll continue to see that uh, but guys like Connor McCaffrey have stepped up so much CJ Frederick has this um, this calmness and coolness about him. This uh, he's he's unafraid to take these huge shots as a freshman, which is incredible. Uh, Bakari Evelyn has has really shown up these last couple of games. This is a team, and then again, as you said, it, it's all going to go through Luca Garza. I did not I, when Garza was a freshman, they had that bad season, and he. And I remember watching some of the post game interviews that you had done with him and things like that and just thinking man this guy is is a leader he's taking on a leadership role he wants this role and that was when he was a true freshman to see him kind of physically evolved evolved to match that mentality uh the balance he has the the calmness he plays with out there uh it's it's been something to see and this team Again, I don't know what's going to happen in this Big Ten season. The Big Ten looks really good, and it's going yes. to be it's going to be tough. I, I'm, but I think this is a tournament team, Rob, and and that's not something I would have said. I just think they are they they have this again. I can't quite find the word. Is it toughness? Is it calmness? Is it togetherness? It's this intangible thing. We know what they can do when they're when they're hitting shots. We know what Garza can do when he is on and when he's rebounding the ball. But there, there's this mentality that this team has that we just haven't seen from McCaffrey teams in the last handful of years. Yeah, totally agree, Andrew, and I think. There, you, I don't think you can pinpoint it with one word. It's 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 confidence. It's toughness, mental and physical toughness. Uh, you look at a guy, and you mentioned Connor McCaffrey. I think he's a huge component to this. And I know he gets criticized because he's the coach's kid, but he is a smart basketball player that can guard multiple positions. And we've seen in recent years that the issues with Iowa oftentimes almost always are on the defensive end in recent years his ability to play multiple defensive spots uh, and understand how to get his teammates into the right spots has been huge and you know and, and you mentioned Frederick and Garza those three guys are guys you take into battle with you. Those are the guys you walk into an alley with. Those guys are are will not back down under any circumstances. And I think a guy who's needed to maybe have more of that attitude is starting to get it in Joe Wieskamp. 
because Joe Wieskamp is probably the most gifted guy on this roster just from a, a basketball standpoint and he had some tough games earlier in this season and you mentioned Bohannon Bohannon was talking about getting Joe going before he because he knew he was going to shut it down yeah that was one of his main goals was to get Joe going and Joe has really played well in the last stretch of games and you need that with Garza if you can get Wieskamp feeding hmm. off of Garza that's a you know in basketball Andrew how it is if you've got that one two punch from perimeter to inside it makes you really tough to defend and then you add in guys like CJ Frederick who is such a good outside shooter if Toussaint can play under control and get some dribble penetration and and create uh, turnovers with his defense and then to the steadiness of Connor McCaffrey you've got a lot of components on this team I think you're going to need what you saw yesterday from Creener coming off the bench. Maybe not 20 points every night, but solid play off the bench. I think Pemsel you need a little bit more from. That was encouraging yesterday that he played a little bit better. Evelyn's starting to play better. You get those bench guys that could come in and at least spell those guys with positive minutes. This is a dangerous team. This is a team that can compete for the top part of that Big Ten Uh in that that top part, and you figure you talked about an NCAA tournament. They're one and one in the Big Ten now. They go nine and nine and go ten and ten, which I think is really doable. That's a twenty-one season they're in. I, I think you're exactly right, a hundred percent. So that that first game then Saturday uh, against at home against Penn State, a one o'clock game. Uh, Penn State now ranked twenty-first, so that'll be a ranked a couple of ranked opponents in Carver Hawkeye Arena Saturday afternoon. And uh, that one's and, in uh, that one's actually in Philadelphia at the at the Palestra. That's right. That's right. Which will be really cool for those. It'll be cool for Fran going home to Philadelphia. But I've, 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 I've never covered a game, but I've watched games in the Palestra. It is awesome. I recommend that if you have the means and the uh, ability to watch a college basketball game at the Palestra. It is a mecca. Oh, it that's is, it's one of those places. Well, uh, that 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 should be a fun game, Rob. And uh, I guess we will talk after that game. Uh, anything else you wanted to touch on here in, in kind of our inaugural Hawkeye Nation podcast together? No, I think we hit on, on on a lot of good stuff, Andrew. And and like you said, we'll be doing these weekly now, so we'll have a lot. We'll we'll dive deeper into you know the off season with the football team, and, and you know connect and talk about each of these you know these segments of basketball games uh, between each podcast. So no, I'm looking forward to this. I think this will be uh, a fun deal, and uh, I enjoy doing it with you. Yeah, same here. I'm I'm very excited uh, to be a part of this. I, I appreciate you guys kind of bringing me on, letting me do this. this is a dream come true for me, man. To, to talk Hawkeye sports. I'm uh, I'm a kid who who grew up in this, and and uh, <laughs> have to pinch myself every day, man. This is a uh, this is fun. So thank you for the time. Thank you everybody for listening have a happy new year be safe this week and uh rob and i'll be back next week hopefully talking about a big hawkeye victory uh, in philadelphia against penn state thanks rob thank you we'll talk to you all next week check out rob's content at hawkeye nation.com go hawks 